What we have in chapter 18 is something that, that's kind of unique in the Bible. Uh, we sometimes hear the voice of the lost. Sometimes they're talking, sometimes they're plotting. Sometimes we get to over here like Caiaphas talking about how Jesus needs to be destroyed. Uh, sometimes, and that's why we need to be careful about saying every single word of the Bible is true. Um, that's true to a point, uh, but sometimes the truth are recording the lies and recording the deception. So we need to just understand that, you know. Um, and here we're going to hear the voice of lamenta lamentations of those that uh, are distraught because Babylon is destroyed. We've seen seals and trumpets and bowls. Seals, not the animal, but, you know, sealed up things. Yes, of course. And uh, trumpets and bowls. This is the seventh bowl, the last bowl, wherein the wrath of God is finally poured out. So we're coming to the climax. And we won't hear about Babylon again. 1821 is the end of Babylon. But um, before we get there, it would be good to review just a little bit by reading verses um, 1 through 9. And as we do that, remember this. Uh, remember that Revelation is cyclical. We have repetition over and over again. Ancient Babylon, the physical city, was destroyed like it was prophesied by Jeremiah. The physical city, by the time this is written, was no more, had been gone for quite some time. But Babylon continues on in the church age that we're in, in various forms, until the end. And that's because of what it symbolizes. The beast symbolizes anti-Christian government, which are most governments, to tell you the truth. Most governments that have been, and uh, most governments that currently are. That's what the beast is. Rome was the one manifestation at that particular time where you could really see that to be true. Caesar Augustus uh, was the ruler when Christ was born. And um, Caesar Augustus also really brought into prominence the whole idea of emperor worship. Okay? Uh, the Caesars were, were greatly admired before that, but Caesar Augustus, or Octavius, as he's known in history also, uh, was the one who, who um, the people began to proclaim him as a god and he was more than happy to take that. And, of course, it grew and grew. Uh, and, of course, once emperor worship, once the emperor is a god, and you have to worship him, where does that put the Christians? What happened to the Christians? They're not going to worship him. They can't worship him. And so martyrdom starts. Hundreds of martyrs, thousands of martyrs, probably thousands and thousands of martyrs gave their life because they refused to worship the emperor. And uh, it's gone on from that time since. So the beast is anti-Christian government. She is used to destroy uh, Babylon. And because God turns uh, everything against Babylon. And then Babylon is the symbol for anti-Christian society. And as we've said before, um, people often try to find America in the book of Revelation. And there's a land, I forget where, how it works, but there's the land of the eagle, or there's a great eagle landing. There's America. In, in a, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Uh, what, what we have instead is um, really, in one sense, we are in the book, 
as most nations are, we become a predominantly anti-Christian society. Not every person. And there's always a chance by God's grace and in his providence that he will bless us and turn it all around once again. But uh, without going into detail, without giving you any examples, I've done that before, uh, we should be able to see overall that as a country we're going in the wrong direction, not talking even politically so much, but going in the wrong direction morally, calling evil good and good evil, and you can get yourself in a world of trouble just by saying such things as homosexuality is a sin. But it is. It is. Always has been, always will be. And now you're labeled as a bigot, and when the tape comes out, I'll be labeled as a bigot. Already have been many times. Well, you know, that's the way that Babylon manifests itself, you know, and it's a worldwide thing. Babylon rises and then it falls, it crumbles, it's destroyed, only to rise again. But it won't rise forever, okay? I'm talking about spiritual Babylon. Physical Babylon's gone. And so we see the physical destruction of Babylon that we'll look at tonight in, in from uh, Jeremiah 31. We'll see that physical destruction actually showing forth what will happen to Babylon ultimately. Okay, so let's read verses 1 through 9, chapter 18, without too much comment. After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with its glory, and he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen, is Babylon the great? Second time we've seen that in the book of Revelation. Chapter 14 said the same thing, but it's cyclical, that's why. Should become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. I think you can see the theme there being unclean. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and uh, the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. We will hear the lament of the kings, the merchants, and the sailors coming up. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you partake in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. And obviously we don't do that by joining monasteries and such like that. We do that by refusing to go along uh, with the things that uh, they believe are important that are against the things of God. For her sins, if he pies heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities, pay her back as she herself has paid back others, repay her double for her deeds, makes a double portion for her in the cup she has mixed, as she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so, gave, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. See, it's the opposite. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, and here are the plagues, death and mourning and famine, and she'll be burned with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who's judged her. So we've already seen that, and then verse number 9, I should add that too. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her, when they see the smoke of her burning. Okay. So we see the scene has now changed. We, change, we go to the lament. Our attention is turned to the destruction of Babylon and the mourning of those that realize what they've lost. And uh, Robert Godfrey makes this note 
and I was alluding to it earlier, that this is one of the only places in the Bible when we hear the voice of the wicked speaking from their heart about their loss. We hear them in Revelation talking about the fear. They're afraid of God's judgment. They ask the mountains to fall on them and hide them from God. But here they are speaking from their heart about the things that are really important to them and the things that they feel like they've lost since Babylon is now lost. In the midst of everything falling apart, they have no spiritual discernment and they only lament what they are losing. And Robert Gottfried is to quote him again, because I never would have thought of saying this. He said, most people live by their belly and they're involved in economics and their own well-being. That was a pretty good quote from Robert Godfrey there. So the whole range of society, the rich, the politicians, the affluent, even the poor and the working class, what are they living for? And I think this is probably why chapter 18 is in here for us. We want to go to the end. We want us to see the, the spectacular. We want to see the grand finale. And uh, we've been delayed in that. We, we've got a whole chapter that's delayed us. And we have to ask why. why. Why something so different in the midst of coming to this grand climax? And uh, it probably is because we need to stop and consider. Revelation should be read slowly. It should be read with contemplation. And here's one more chance to contemplate. And when we hear their voice, we need to make sure it's not our voice. That the things that they are mourning, and the things they care about, and the things that they are lamenting are not the things that we too would lament should we lose these earthly treasures that we have. We find out what's really important to them, which causes us to ask ourselves, what's really important to us? So, here we go. Before the final end, Armageddon, the final judgment, the eternal state, John is given this vision so we can stop rushing and start contemplating. So here's the kings of the earth, their mourn. Verse 9. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They'll stand far off in fear and torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. That becomes a key to all of this. In a single hour. We're going to see that repeated over and over again. When they see Babylon fall, instead of thinking about their own destruction, they just think about what they've lost in a powerful, rich ally. And then the merchants speak, and they have the, the longest speech. Verse number 11, And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of, and here's a long list, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, 
horses and chariots and slaves. That is human souls. And that should shock us. At the bottom of the list are those that are made in the image of God. At the bottom of the list are are people being used as merchandise to buy and to sell. And it still happens today. Slavery still goes on today. And slavery takes different forms in different ways. Uh, Some countries have outright slavery. And uh, you're a slave and you can't do anything about it. Or, in our particular case, it's come to national attention. And thankfully, uh, all in our country are almost unanimous in agreeing that this is wrong, horrible, terrible, and sinful. Thank the Lord that we haven't gone so far down that we think that this is okay. Could happen, but it hasn't happened yet, thankfully. To steal people and sell them into, well the slave trade, uh, the sexual bondage, for instance. And it's far more common than we think, I'm sorry to say. And uh, there's more and more understanding of that. And you just go into a public restroom, for instance, uh, if you're traveling, like I will be um, tomorrow, you go into a public restroom, and there'll usually be a sign in there talking about if you have been captured or if you are going somewhere against your will, call this number. And, you know, and um, you know, well, that that's a good thing, and we're we're glad for that. Slaves, the bodies and souls of men, and by that I mean, of course, men and women. The commercial use of human beings, people, just a commodity to use and dispose of after use, with no regard for the image of God in men. So, I, I really think whatever we may think of. Um, and you did a, a fine job talking about the Civil War uh, a few times here, Pastor Ken. And whatever we may think about the South or the North and, and all of that, you know. And I'm a Yankee, I'll be honest with you. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, okay. Uh, whatever we may think about all of that, okay, um, we all should be willing to admit that uh, trafficking in human beings is not good and that... Um, you know, uh, God, God caused it to end. It was through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of blood. But God did cause it to end. Okay. We continue on with the merchants, wailing and moaning. Verse 14, the fruit for which your soul longed is gone from you, and your, all your delicacies and splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. They're talking about Babylon. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand afar off in fear of her torment, weeping and moaning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. And there it is again. In a single hour. The judgment comes hard and fast. You know, there's individual judgments, And then there's national judgments. And there's a Babylon that falls and rises again. There's a Babylon that's going to fall and never rise again, as we're going to see. But, um, you know, um, the fruit, the lament. The lament here. And now we finally hear from the sailors. And the sailors are in um, 15, let's see, 
Uh, and the shipmaster, yeah, 17. And the shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all those whose trade is on the sea, stood afar off and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city for where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she'd been laid waste. So the three categories all limit the same thing, that the destruction came swiftly and quickly. And all you got to do is think about um, ancient Babylon and uh, what happened in, in the book of Daniel as it's recorded as uh, the Medes and the Persians take over the city in, in a single night, you know. Later the city would be totally destroyed, but, the, but um, in, in a single hour it was gone. Just as quickly as that the entire uh, empire had been taken over. Now we begin a new section. And um, it's interesting that um, the Bible I'm having doesn't show it as a new section. Um, I believe it, it has to be uh, because we have the voice of the sailors and uh, as we leave the voice of the sailors, we have a, a voice of rejoicing. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. I kind of expect um, to be a break there, you know, in the midst of this poetic section. There's not, for whatever reason, or maybe your Bible has some. Some, some do make a break there. But this is another voice. It's the voice of the godly. It's the voice of the praise to God for the destruction. It's the beginning of the praise of God. Verse 21 takes us to the future description. Babylon's destroyed over and over and over until there's a final destruction at the end of the age. And um, here it is. Then a muddy angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon the great city be thrown down with violence, and will be found no more. No more Babylon cycle now. Spiritual Babylon is destroyed forever at this point. Let's just continue reading down to verse 24, and then we'll explain it just a little bit more. Verse 22, and look at all the no mores. No more, no more, no more is, is said over and over again for emphasis. So Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And here's some no mores. The sound of the harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpets will be heard in you no more. Kind of, as I read this out loud, and I've done it a couple times, I couldn't help but wonder if somehow Edgar Allan Poe um, kind of used that with the refrain of never more in the raven. I don't know that he did. You know, we're all influenced by the things we read, and uh, people used to read the Bible. You know, so maybe, but I digress. I'm just thinking out loud. Sorry. <laughs> and the sound of the harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth. And all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints. 
and of all who've been slain on the earth. Now, I really don't want to to go any further, so I think we'll just expound those verses a little bit more and not begin chapter 19 for the simple fact that uh, uh, really as we come to chapter 19, we're we're coming to the end of the end. You know, we're coming to the the very uh, back part of it. We have the marriage feast of the Lamb, uh, and we have the, the battle of Armageddon. We take a bit of a digression in chapter 20, but that's a theme too. Remember, we are now in the seventh bowl, which is the, where the, the wrath of God is finally poured out and it's over. When bowl seven is poured out, that's the end. And so that's what we're at right now. We're looking at that here in chapter 18. So, um, you know, this whole idea of a spiritual Babylon, one day to, rise, to fall and never rise again, which causes the people of God to rejoice. You might say, well, isn't that kind of mean? Isn't that kind of vindictive? Is, isn't that kind of sadistic pleasure? And it's not. Because um, the people of God are rejoicing at the judgment of God. I want you to think about this for a minute. And this is hard for people to grasp. It's hard for me to grasp I, I refused to believe it the first time I heard it, and uh, then I thought about it more and more and, and did some research and, you know, realized, you know, um, our, our tears have been wiped away. And so we'll all stand at the great judgment day at the last day. And, and that should be the most horrible day of all for Christians, you would think, because these people are going to hell. They're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And some of them are your loved ones. How could you be happy about that? You'd be horrified. You, you might even say like the Apostle Paul, look, I'll, I'll trade places with them. I'd be willing to give up my place in heaven so they can have the place in heaven. But it's not going to be that way in the final day. Because we will see things the way that God sees them. We'll see them the way they really are. Now, we really can't do that right now. We probably shouldn't even try to do that right now. We should have compassion on the souls of men and women. We should care about them. We want to preach to them. We want to explain to them. We want to show them that there's a savior of sinners. There still is hope for them now. But at the final day, there's a left hand and there's a right hand. And as we stand there, we will agree with God that even if it's our own mother and father or sister and brother or wife or husband, or child that's on the other side, we'll agree it's right. You know, mul- mul- uh, meditate on that one a little bit. And uh, if it offends you right now, think about it a little bit more. Because that's the way it'll be at the last day when you're glorified in heaven and the final judgment's taking place. And we'll be talking about that final judgment quite a bit uh, as we finish the book. But there's some food for thought there. Okay, it's the vindication of God himself. It's the answer of um, the the martyr's cry, the symbolic martyrs that are under the altar that say, how long, Lord, before you avenge our blood upon the earth? And the answer is a little bit longer. There's more martyrs that need to come. It's not an answer we might like, but uh, it is 
God's providential answer. So I want you to turn to a passage. Keep your finger here, but turn to Jeremiah 51. Now, I'm not going to do this, but we could read the entire chapter of Isaiah 51. It's a long chapter. Well, it's a fairly long chapter. But I'm not going to do that tonight here. But if you care about these things, it's well worth reading. It's well worth looking. And when you understand what actually is taking place. Jeremiah himself, being a prophet of God, had a really tough ministry. We know him as the weeping prophet, right? He spent his entire ministry telling the king who he had access to and the people and proclaiming, go to Babylon. Seventy years are, are being determined. Do not fight. You'll lose your life if you fight. Do not flee. You try to flee, you'll be pursued and overtaken. Willingly go to Babylon when the king of Babylon comes. Willingly go. And, and very few are willing to do that. You know. Spent his entire ministry basically telling them to do that. And they wouldn't do it. Sometimes they threw him in jail. Sometimes they threw him in a pit. You know, all these things. Um, and interestingly enough, as you read the book of Jeremiah, which is not, uh, by the way, chronological at all, it's very helpful to understand that. But as you read the book of Jeremiah, what you'll find is that uh, the king, the last king, Zedekiah, would actually call for him in private and, say, and basically say, tell me what's going to happen. And he'd tell Zedekiah. And then he'd tell Zedekiah to repent. And, and Zedekiah would just go on with his program, go on with his purpose, hoping, I guess, for a few more years, or hoping, I guess, that Jeremiah was wrong, although I don't think he expected a few more years. And it doesn't sound like he expected Jeremiah to be wrong. But he was willing to give up a little for all eternity, basically. And give up a little for maybe a few more years of being king, even if it was going to cause massive destruction to the entire nation, which it did. The destruction of the temple, destruction of Zedekiah himself, as uh, he actually, the last sight he saw on this earth was his children being killed, and then they put out his eyes and dragged him off to Babylon where he died. Okay. It's pretty horrible, but that's what happens when you don't listen to God. You know, that's just the, the facts of the matter. I'm going to take us all the way down to chapter, or Jeremiah 51, verse 60. Let's go there. There's so much to read here all about Babylon, you know, and the destruction of Babylon. Finally, Jeremiah comes to this. You know, yeah, told you to go there, told you that you need to do that. But guess what? Babylon's not going to last forever. Babylon itself will be destroyed by God in the, in the final day, and you'll be returned uh, to the land. Verse 59. The word that Jeremiah the prophet commanded Sariah, the son of Neriah, the son of Mashulah, who went with Zedekiah, king of Judah to Babylon. I wish I had myself pronouncing Bible with me, but I don't. So <laughs> just do the best we can here. And when he went with Zedekiah, king of Judah to Babylon, in the fourth year of his reign, Sariah was the quartermaster. Verse 60. Jeremiah wrote a book, wrote in a book, all the disaster that should come upon Babylon. All these words that are written concerning Babylon. 
And Jeremiah said to Sariah, when you come to Babylon, see that you read all these words and say, O Lord, you have said concerning this place that you will cut it off so that nothing shall dwell in it, neither man nor beast, and it shall be desolate forever. When you finish reading this book, tie a stone to it, a millstone, so to speak, tie a millstone to it, and cast it into the midst of the Euphrates, and say, Thus shall Babylon sink to rise no more because of the disaster that I'm bringing upon her, and they shall become exhausted. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. So you got the picture, right? It's destructions written in a book. A millstone is tied to it, thrown into the river. Back to Revelation. Okay? And I wonder if you saw that in verse 21. You know, a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So Babylon, the great city, thrown down with violence and will be found no more. So we have physical Babylon destroyed at the word of Jeremiah, and now spiritual Babylon is destroyed at the voice of the great angel. And 22 and 23a talk about its complete destruction, all the no mores that will be seen. And then 23, the rest of 23 talks about three reasons for this judgment. Notice what they are. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth. All nations were deceived by your sorcery. And, verse 24, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all who've been slain on the earth. Three reasons for Babylon's destruction. Pride. God hates pride. Absolutely hates pride. Men are naturally proud. But uh, God hates that. Humility is what God wants. Sorceries. Sorceries is kind of an interesting word. There's a lot of things you can put in there um, right from Satan worship and um, worshiping of demons and practicing the black arts and such like that to other lesser forms to us and our thinking of sorceries. Uh, Anything that would take our mind away from God and detract us, and distract us from God. The things that people use to deaden their consciences and uh, turn people from thoughts of God. Luxury, I'll just name a few. Luxury, immorality, drug abuse, distractions of any kind. Literally an enchantment to keep people from thinking about God. A deception, a powerful deception, focusing only on the here and now. And then, of course, not last but not least, verse 24, the persecution of the saints. And not just during the church age, but uh, Old Testament prophets and martyrs, New Testament prophets and martyrs. You know. And uh, they vo- raise their voices together, and here is the destruction of the martyrs. So I'm going to end there. Next time we'll move on to chapter 19 a new cycle, and the completion of the seventh bowl of judgment. Heaven rejoices at the marriage supper of the Lamb, but on earth there's a picture of the final destruction of those who dwell on the earth. You remember what that means, right? 
If you dwell, those that dwell upon the earth are the lost, those that do not know. And the famous battle of Armageddon, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns in wrath, and the destruction of the beast and the false prophet in the lake of fire. All that is in chapter 19. And we'll open that chapter up next time and then get to the most controversial chapter, maybe in the whole Bible, Revelation chapter 20.